This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, here we are again. Welcome. Hello. This is a podcast called Everything's Relative, and I am Eve Sturgis. A few years ago, I found out that the availability of DNA tests is totally messing lives up, turning worlds upside down, and exposing all sorts of family secrets. And it's also creating lots of connections for people. New siblings, new family, new ethnicities, religions, lifestyles. So I made a podcast about it. Welcome if you're new here. Welcome back if you've been around for a while. One thing I like to do that I didn't do last episode was acknowledge what is going on in the world today. And I like to do that because I consider the DNA phenomenon as a very particular time in history that won't happen again as old generations pass away and as the new generations use DNA for everything so there won't be so many secrets. And I think also that it's important to know where we are in the world because these are the contexts in which we are navigating these wild discoveries in our personal lives. It matters what kind of things are happening around us, to us, with us. For one easy example that everyone can relate to on one level or another, it's very different to manage a shocking DNA discovery in the middle of a pandemic than when we didn't have a pandemic. And if you don't think following the politics around reproductive rights is important within our experience, well, I just don't know what to tell you. Um, so you should know now. I am an intersectional feminist, and if that bothers you, this might not be the podcast for you. So all of that said, hi! I'm season four. It's season four, and I'm Eve Sturgis. <laughs> I am recording this in winter, and you're probably listening to it in early spring of 2022. Two very huge, important issues pulsing through our nation right now are voting rights and abortion rights. We'll see where we're at by the time this episode airs, but I don't feel optimistic, TBH. Adoption is often, if not always, offered as an antidote to abortion. I bring that up because today's episode, I talk with Heidi Marble from the project that is a website, a podcast, and a community called Pulled by the Root, which is dedicated to the adoption discussion. This season, more than ever, I feel dedicated to exploring all aspects of the DNA discovery world. Not just NPEs like me, but I want to explore all the ways that late discovery adoptees and donor-conceived individuals are here with us too, and explore the similarities and differences between all of us. I was thrilled to meet Heidi at an online Zoom event hosted by Right to Know, uh, and she was kind enough to spend some time with me on a gray morning so I could learn more about her personal story and the story of her projects at Pulled by the Root. Here we go. Um, so let's just talk about you and and I'm uh, and. You're working on all these projects. 
um, it seems like simultaneously. Um, so I want to know about that. But um, also, let's start with sort of um, if you have a, you know, if you have a synopsis of your adoption story and or like how you became involved with the adoption community so much. And and then I also think we should talk about how the adoption, how you're what you're working on and overlaps with like late discovery adoptees mm -hmm. um, and what the similarities are for all adopt, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So who are you? Well, who am I? Well, my name is Heidi Marble. I am a domestic adoptee. I was born in 1965. And my childhood, you know, we don't have enough time for that. But I was very attached to my adopted mom. She was my person, like the love of my life. And I was reassured my whole life that, you know, our love was strong and sturdy. Uh, my grandmother was also an amazing person, my adopted grandmother. My father was a little bit on the rough side. <laughs> so oh, okay. Did you know you were adopted? I always knew that I was always adopted. knew. Okay. Always knew. And I felt special like a princess. Never saw a problem with it really. Mm -hmm. Until I went to find my birth family after the birth of my son. And when I made that decision, I lost the love of my adopted mom and it crushed me. Oh. And so some of the important points about this and what led me to the work I'm doing now is when I discovered my biological mother, she had breast cancer, genetic breast cancer. A year later, I was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer and had to fight for my life. Um, and had I not met my biological mother, I would not have known to, to inquire about the breast cancer because I was so young and I would not be here with you now. So that really leads to the point of, you know, like the right to know and how it bridges to all of us who don't have access to our history. And I think that's where the bridge crosses with late discovery adoptees and NPEs. And we are all seeking our identity and the truth so that we can better cope with our own life and the life of, you know, if we're parents, we're passing it on. So that destruction of that relationship was a 20 year battle. Mm. And now my mothers are gone. And I'm left with this huge heap of pain. And I started to work through it by writing my book. So that was a way for me to get out all my experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I have another question. Um, I mean, it's really just about your mom feeling so offended by you by you looking for your bio mom. Clearly, you would have already explained this, but the connection between breast cancer did not calm her fury or help her understand any of that. She didn't. It just felt no. like too much of a betrayal all around. Yeah. And I really thought that my pending death would be if that's not going to work, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's right. nothing really, really left. And so I was wrapped in shame in that relationship for all of those years and just it was just so painful not to be able to heal heal I that i can't even imagine yeah you, just such just, a, you were so shocked i imagine right like i was shocked and i mean i i understand the threat i i get it you know but in my way of thinking if she could have white knuckled it and embraced it and gone through that process with me, it would have made us even closer. There was no. nothing that was going to replace the bond that we had. But I think what's so upsetting is it was just the rejection of the truest self 
Mm-hmm. Because when you're a person who is adopted or you have, you know, a late discovery adoption or all of these other aspects, you're a multifaceted being. And you can't just erase that part of who you are. It's way too strong. So it felt like the ultimate rejection. Mm-hmm. I think we both felt rejected by each other and we could never really resolve it. Mm. And so that that led me to the work I'm doing now because I had to step outside of my own pain and start to look at the larger issues and being able to speak about them and realize that a lot of them are universal. It, it has been such a, a healing and eye-opening process. Yeah. Wow. Heidi, I'm already, I mean, you haven't even gotten to what you're working on. <laughs> I'm already I'm already moved by your story and your presence. Um, so so you started to write, um, mm, yeah, and that has led. Tell me more. Tell me more. So I wrote my first book about breast cancer in 2006, and I became an advocate for breast cancer, and I really thought that was that was my advocacy, not really understanding this huge underlying belly that was swaying full of all this other pain. So I started to write my second book as a follow-up to my survival to extend that, that idea. And every time I would sit down, I wasn't writing about the survival of breast cancer. I was writing about what I was going through with my mom. And I have this program called Shrivener and it's a writing program and it's almost like a journal. And I wasn't really rereading my writing. So I'm at 10 years, I'm just going to my computer and flooding it with my feelings. And when my adopted mom passed away, I thought, you know what, maybe I'll just print off that writing and see what I had. And it was literally, I talk about it like it was a birth. I'm standing in front of the printer and almost 400 pages came out. And as as I held it, I realized that this was a book. I mean, it was obviously rough. And we're still beating on it, trying oh, to get sure, the best sure. out of it. <laughs> but I held it and I said, oh, my gosh. And that was the, that epiphany. You know, there are times in our life when we have the turning points. And I held it and I literally came up with the, the title right there by myself holding this. And I said, I have been pulled by the root. Yeah. Wow. And that's what this is. Which and is- so, yeah. It's also, I mean, just I when you talked about how it was like birthing something, even pulled mm-hmm. by the root is sort of. And there's so much to 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 unpack about that title. Um, yeah, and at that point, I felt so untethered, mm-hmm. and being able to really work on the writing, you know, it was so excruciating. I still have a hard time going to my writing desk. I'm kind of like a cat, you know, going sideways. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. It's such painful work, the soul excavation. So when I got to the point where I felt like the book was almost ready to, you know, get out there in the world, we're still working on it. But um, someone advised me that, you know, maybe you should do more with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when I started doing the podcast and never thought in a million years it would be one of the greatest gifts of my life. It's just been incredible. So that has led us to this journey where we're able to really be in a sacred space with others and hear their stories and connect globally with with each other in this big, huge family of people who who simply just want to be seen, heard, and um, acknowledged. Right, right. 
Right. Like all the layers, all the layers are important and all these people are asking for that. Mm. And it seems amazing that it's not, um, not just a given at this point, you know, and I, and I know that it's partly because people are, are operating in isolated family experiences, but clearly there's, there's, um, clearly there's a message that's not spreading, <laughs> spreading, <laughs> there's a, you know, clearly, you know, I don't know the, the adoption culture is just, um, falling. I don't want to, I don't want to just say it's, I don't want to just talk about it like the negative things, but it's falling short because all these people are coming and saying, we have to talk about all these things. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll speak for you because I think, I think it's sadly, the more that I learn and the more I understand, because I was, as a lot of people in adoptee land call it the fog where you're mm -hmm. in this level of denial because of what you've been told you're special, you're chosen, you're saved. Society looks at the situation like this baby that was going to be discarded now has a home and, and all of those narratives have built this false uh, premises around what is really happening. And what is really happening is trauma at the most vulnerable space, mm -hmm. trauma of birth mother, trauma of baby, trauma of adopted families who maybe are infertile or cannot have children. And that's its own. That's a very sad and difficult thing. But, you know, I, I have to kind of, you know, really push for the baby because the most vulnerable party is, is between all of this mix. And I think what's missing so deeply in the adoption process is a, I just don't think people are getting the proper help and counseling. I think because it's monetized, that creates a lot of corruption and a lot of really um, inhumane choices. And the more you look into adoption history, the more disturbing it becomes. I saw that you interviewed Gabby Glaser. Oh, an American, she's so good. Uh, she's so great. An American baby blew my mind. If yep. you if you had told me like adoption is a corrupt industry, or I would have been like, okay, sure, sure it is. Like <laughs> everything in America, in a few you know, in a few like, instances, right? Yeah. Like or whatever. Like okay, but reading her book, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about, just thinking about it. Um, I I completely agree because Margaret, the the birth mother in mm -hmm. the story, you really get to sink into what her experience was, and especially for adoptees in my era because I'm 56, that baby scoop era where there was, and there's still shame, but single motherhood and, you know, there right. was no birth control or you had, you could only get birth control if you were married. So there were all these layers. And so women were just sent away. Yeah. Like my birth mom was sent 3000 miles away mm. and, and shamed in doing so. And so you think about that. And in, in uh, that story, American baby, I think it's really important to read for anyone. To anyone. Understand. I think everyone should yeah. read that book. I completely agree. Everyone should read that book. Yep. Yep. Definitely Eve. <laughs> no question. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I don't mean to be a naysayer. I just think there's a lot of work that needs to mm -hmm. be done. There's a lot of suffering that doesn't need to happen. Right. Right. So much suffering. And so, and it seems to me that because it's not acknowledged, it then has nowhere to go. So it mm -hmm. becomes, it, it, it becomes, I don't, I, I, I always right. do. I always do this. I struggle with vocabulary a lot um, or the words or how to describe something, but it just feels like these things are existing, even if we don't talk about it or know they are, they're there. So these, so 
so so that's what I want to say. You you and and these uh, and a lot of advocates right now for adoption are trying to put language to all of these elements that didn't that didn't otherwise exist, didn't exist with language, but were affecting you like on the inside. That's very perceptive. That's very perceptive. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's really um, ama amazing. <laughs> I don't know, like I just, um, it's really powerful work um, to create, create the words, create the words of this presence or layer or what you know whatever you want to call it um so you so you've got this book you're working on pulled by the root yeah and that's that is um primarily a sort of journal uh, a, a, a journal of your journey with your mom with your mom and your adopted mom yeah it's a really unique it's a really unique format because i flesh out each character one at a time each of them have their own space there's very little overlapping so you get to drop right into these scenes with these really influential people in my life, my birth family, my bio family, my husband, my son. Uh, what, what's interesting is my partner, who's a friend, she's not my therapist. I wish she could be, but we're <laughs> friends first. <laughs> she's a psychiatrist. And so what she's done is we've created this pairing with our chapters where she does a reflection on what I've just written from a really interesting angle. And so you get to read my version and then her interpretation. So we're really excited to share that formatting because it, it really starts to get into the psychological things that are happening to me. And you can see through the book how I'm changing, how my thought process is changing. And we hope that that'll be helpful to people that they can see themselves, um, you know, from the very real nature of my story and then from that psychiatric point of view. So we're really happy to share it and we hope it finds a good home soon so that we don't have to print it on our own. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, I love that. And I actually just talked to somebody and have been thinking about the way that so many of these books and they're all great and everyone's story deserves to be told and everybody, everybody's perspective is important, but without bringing in experts for lack of a better word i'm not sure um who to trust yeah and, and that's fair like i wouldn't want someone to trust me when i was in the thick of it mm -hmm. i don't even know how to save myself <laughs> so having that ob objectivity somebody to come in who can look at it and say i understand what's going on and here's a way to help move you through this yeah yeah it feels like there's a um Mm, not a, not a solution, but a direction. Um, yeah, for sure. That I yeah, that I really appreciate. Very Thank cool. You. Yeah. Thank you. And then you're doing the podcast, and yes. and um, is that something that you do year round? Do they come out every week? Tell me, or, <laughs> or it's once been, a month, or what? Okay, so this has been such a whirlwind. We started in March of this year, and we have already finished 70 interviews. The I was just about are... to say, you have so many up on the website. How did you just start? I have no idea, but it, it just happened. And it was such an immersive experience that I'm, I'm interviewing almost full time. Um, and so luckily our podcast guests are really patient because it can take months for their episodes to be released. So we're doing one a week because we want to take really good care of their story. So everybody is being so kind, but that way, 
I'm not turning anyone away. People that are coming, I feel there's a reason they're coming to us. And right now it's manageable as long as they're patient. Sure. But I'm so excited to release the conversations because they are just, oh my goodness, they're so incredible. And just listening to everyone's hearts and their desire to make a difference, their desire to find healing and peace in their own lives. It's, um, and it's so global, it's so universal. And it, it helps pull us out of the isolation of our own experience. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I'm like, Ooh. seventy is amazing. Um, yeah, and uh, and they're all coming to you, saying they're all contacting you, saying, "I heard your podcast. I think I have something I'd like to share." Yeah, yeah. there's there's definitely people that I pursued that other people mm-hmm. have told me about, and that's been really cool too to learn about other people's work through other people. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like this community saying oh, have you talked to this person? Oh my gosh, this person would be great. And, and so for the most part, I'd say 95% are just finding us, but there's that 5% that have been recommended or that mm-hmm. I've discovered in some way. And so it's all feels kind of oddly intentional. Yeah, well, that's it's that's actually, I think I would probably describe mine the exact same way. 95% right. is people coming to me, which I just think speaks to, it speaks to the power of, talking with someone it speaks people want to tell their story they want to be listened to um for an hour and they and they also recognize the service being of service in a way um that is so personalized to them uh yeah yeah so it doesn't surprise me that people are contacting you from all over but um I, i think that's so neat and and such a um if anything like such a testimony to what you're doing Thank, thank you, Eve. You know, I just feel, I just feel like I'm just um, humbled by all of it. And it, it's just this experience. I was telling somebody the other day when I first started, I was so deeply affected by the stories that I could barely recover mm-hmm. after an interview. I would just lose it. And I thought, who am I, this unhealed person, to be here? But I'm like, I'm not trying to give anyone advice. I'm just here with you sharing this experience of this healing journey. And what's interesting is I've felt my own healing transpire. And now I I get so involved in the conversation that when it's done, I almost what I imagine is this beautiful wind coming through and just and just taking it off of me, not in a bad way, but in a good way, and just letting it letting it rise, let mm. the story rise, not letting all the pain like infiltrate as deeply. And that's not to say I, I'm not, I feel it every bit of it, but I'm not, I don't have to take a nap, I don't mm-hmm. have to collapse, I don't have to. So, and I'm sure as a therapist, you know, you guys are skilled and trained to be able to hear and have compassion for stories, but still have the strength to continue to listen. And I, I realized that I, you know, I'm learning more how to do that so I can show up and be more effective. I think obviously, I think that like my training as a therapist has, has worked, has worked out to, to really help me with the podcast, but it still feels like I'm wearing different hats. Um, Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think all people, including therapists, it, it's always, I think, part of, of growing and learning is how to take in other people's stories and um, take them in and let them go. And if everybody's, yeah. everybody's, um, 
everybody has to learn how to do that on their on their own. Um, the wind vision that you just described, though, um, I really like that imagery. I may work on that one. Well, um, thank you. Yeah, no, it just helps. It just helps me because I'm so immersed in it that it's just almost like a, a cleansing feeling. And that's not a bad thing. It's just like, it's just a refresh. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt that I was with you in it. And now we're going to release it in this podcast format into the world. It's almost like a balloon that can just, you yeah. just let go. And yeah. now this beautiful thing we just did can go have its life. Right. So, right. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Are you also still working on um, uh, a documentary of some kind? Is there a cinematic element to your project? Okay, so when I was going through breast cancer, we did we got funding for a documentary about all that, and we filmed for three years, uh, and then it all fell apart. It was very oh. heartbreaking. So mm-hmm. I have all of that footage, and I've always had the desire to bring it to life. So we have heavily pursued documentary series. And it's just very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. The last news we got is that, you know, if we show up with a million bucks, we're greenlit. And I'm like, well, uh, that ain't happening. (laughs) So, so let me just pull out a million dollars. What we're considering as a team now, what we'd like to do, especially after the first of the year is to be able to film people's stories and do shorts Mm -hmm. where we create our own space for visual content. And it would kind of be a hybrid or a different idea that we could actually still do uh, that's not dependent on three to five years of chasing down something because the time is now yeah. and we really don't want to wait. And we have a team of really talented people. So I'm excited to see how we can take that visual element and create, you know, really, really embellish the story. Because for me, being a creative human, I love like all the bells and whistles. And and for me, video is so great because you have words, you have music, you have all of the things. So ideally, that would be a really fantastic way to elevate people's stories. So yes, the cinematic part has always been a huge dream for me. It's just learning how to modify that. Right. The medium is changing a lot. Uh, But if there was any time to just create your own platform, now is it. So um, so that's great. That's a great pivot. Um, cool. And, and if you, what, what are, if you were going to give somebody advice right now, um, well, you, I often ask people if somebody has, cause I, I, I mostly interview NPEs. I mostly talk with NPEs. Um, and I, and I often ask at the end, um, if you had one, you know, what, if you, if somebody has just found out what is the advice that you have for them? Um, so if, if that question applies <laughs> to you, to you, like, I, you know, I'd love to hear what you have to say, or, um, you know, what, what is, what is the message that you want, you want people to know, um, when they come to the pulled by the root community? Well, first of all, I, I know that our subject matter is focused on adoption, but there are so many bridges to your community, to the NP community, because we are struggling with the same things. Mm-hmm. Identity, secrecy, shame, the shock of learning that what you thought to be true was not true. Mm-hmm. These are very difficult things. And I think we have a beautiful opportunity to collaborate with each other and, and listen, because it all boils down, you know, the organization, the right to know where you and I were you know, that, that statement 
in my mind, is a human rights statement. The right to know where you came from matters. Mm -hmm. Even if that truth is difficult, mm -hmm. we deserve to know where, we, and that's not an entitlement thing. It just should be a given. And the, the identity crisis that we all go through and experience, yes, it has different components and you can plug in different things, but having to rebuild yourself after being dismantled by this kind of news or maybe the revelation, like the adoptees coming out of the fog, it is a real thing. And I think my message is to seek out appropriate help with someone like you, where you can really work on your issues one-on-one -on -one, and then may, being able to join in community with others who understand. And I think the fact that we, we can listen to these voices, it actually, like you said in the beginning, it puts words to the things that we haven't been able to say or articulate. And we can see ourselves and others in, in these elements that we are sharing, words and film and podcasts. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Find professional help and become and and join a community. Um, or find a community. I love that. I love yeah, that. and if and if you and if you like chocolate and wine like I do, you can that's not advice. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. that's more of a confession. And, right. <laughs> yeah, and those are not so good coping mechanisms that some of us have. In moderation, everything in moderation. Oh, Eve, thank you so much. This was such a special time with you. You are a bright light, and I'm just so happy to know you and to be able to share my heart on your podcast. And I just think that your listeners are amazing. And please, everyone, don't give up. Um, you're incredible. I'm so glad you were born. I'm so glad you're here. We can do this. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think being a part of this community, the the every the right to know community or the which you're the MPE community, like all of us, it makes, I'm so glad you were born. I'm so glad you're here becomes a much more powerful statement um, yeah. than when I just say it yeah. to somebody for their birthday, you know, Amen, <laughs> say, oh, hey, glad, like glad you were born. <laughs> uh, but in this world, in this, in our world, that is a, he it's heavy. There's weight to it. Um, there is heavy because I think we ask ourselves, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm if I'm this mistake or this problem or oh, this yeah. thing to fill someone else's need, boy, it really messes you up. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you saying that because we just need to remind each other that our existence is intentional and we're supposed to be here. Right. And we can honor that. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you so much for giving me thank your, you, give you some morning. I'm like, so please keep me posted about pulled by the root book coming out um, and anything yes. else that's happening um, so that I can make sure that my listeners know. Um, Thank you. Eve. Yeah. And I'll, um, I'll make sure that I've got resources on my website uh, that, that lead people to you. I actually um, am, am working on buffering up my adoption resources. So um, perfect timing to connect with you Aww. today. So, um, and uh, we'll be in touch. Okay. I'll look forward to it. So listeners, uh, whether you come from adoption or not, go check out pulledbytheroot.com to see all the different mediums that Heidi and her colleagues are exploring. There's podcasting, there's art. It's all very cool. Um, such so fun to talk with her. I was, 
I felt so embarrassed uh, with Heidi because I had tried to communicate with her a few days prior to the meeting. And um, you know when you're feeling mixed up about what day it is of the week. So I kept referring to her interview as being tomorrow in my notes. And she was sending me all these notes back that were like, I thought her interview was Friday. I thought it was Friday. <laughs> and it was Friday. Friday was not tomorrow. Uh, and it just made me feel so disorganized. But maybe I am. Despite my disorganization, I have some exciting announcements to make here at Everything's Relative. So during this break, uh, I was not just sitting on my haunches. I was working on something that I have longed for here in the DNA Discovery community, and it's just about ready and available, so I feel like I can start making announcements about it. I have been working as a therapist to create a process journal for us. It's called Who Even Am I Anymore? And it's for NPEs, late discovery adoptees, adoptees, and the donor-conceived community. It's finally being published. Uh, by the time this episode airs, the journal will be ready for pre-order on my website if it's not already available for regular order. Um, this has been a passion project for me that I really believe that we need. And I worked with colleagues to create something that I really think will be a fantastic tool for anyone who has had the unique experience of a DNA shock. I created prompts and I give you plenty of space to write. And my goal was to create a contained process for anyone looking for a way to move through their thoughts and feelings of what is often a life-changing experience of a DNA discovery. I believe it's the first journal of its kind, so I'm really proud of the work that I put into it. I'm so excited to get it out into the world. So remember this part. Who even am I anymore? A process journal for the MPE, late discovery adoptee, adoptee, and the donors conceived communities. And it was created by me, Eve. And hey, in the meantime, keep coming back here to this podcast and be a part of this project with me. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Everything's Relative Podcast. Email me, eve at everythingsrelativepodcast.com. And uh, why don't you share this podcast with someone you know? Or leave a review on your podcast platform. And come back next week. Thank you so much for all your support in all of the ways. This is Everything's Relative. I'm Eve Sturgis. And this pandemic isn't over yet. Wear your mask and wash your hands. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis's worst patient wasn't Michael Myers? I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films. Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown, featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.